2: We're just going to be naked together for three hours.
3: Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) That's like Curb Your Enthusiasm episode. (laughs) That's crazy.
0: This is Political Breakdown from KQED in San Francisco. I'm Scott Schaefer. Today on The Breakdown, it's our Friday roundup of the week's top political news, including the U.S. Senate race. It's heating up with battling TV ads ahead of next week's second candidate debate. Plus, the congressional race for Katie Porter's Orange County House seat gets down and dirty with two Democrats trading allegations and why three big-city Democratic mayors are lining up behind an effort to reverse course on one of California's signature criminal justice reform measures. Here with me, as they are most Fridays, KQED's Marisa Lagos and Guy Marzarati. Hey, you two. Hey. Happy Friday. Happy, happy Friday. Well, let's talk about uh, that Senate race. Uh, Ballots have landed. I think it's fair to say people are starting to really focus on this race. It's been a little sleepy uh, up until now. Uh, Last week, we talked about Adam Schiff's ad where he Attacked Steve Garvey, the top Republican Quote in the race, unquote, Quote, air quotes. While there. he
2: elevated him, <laughs> yeah,
0: saying he's very Trumpy, supported Trump, um, and there were cries of you know foul play from Katie Porter the maybe the number two or three Democrats saying, you know, this is really his effort to avoid a runoff with her. Right.
2: And we should explain, you know, why is this? It's an open primary. So you have Adam Schiff, Katie Porter, Barbara Lee, the three top Democrats in the race. um, And I think a desire by Schiff, who's been ahead in most polls, to not face one of them in the fall, but to face Steve Garvey because it's so hard for a Republican to win in California.
3: And Steve Garvey, who has $300,000 of his own entering the year, I think the calculation is Schiff feels like Garvey couldn't make that uh, kind of landing on his own. Yeah.
0: So let's listen to a little bit of this ad that Katie Porter punched back with this week. And she actually makes fun of that ad that uh, Schiff ran, uh, quote unquote, attacking Steve Garvey. This ad, typical politicians. He's bad. I'm good. Blah, blah. Let's shake things up with Katie Porter. Most politicians just fight each other while Katie Porter fights for you. Well, and that has been her brand, Murray said, to be mm-hmm. the pro-consumer, uh, not taking any PAC money. I guess the question is, you know, is is that in all the other things happening, is that going to break through the noise for her? I
2: mean, it's definitely playing. Maybe I'm one of the only people who actually watches real TV anymore outside of sporting events, but um, you know, watching the cable news channels this week, that ad was popping up quite a bit on broadcast TV, and so I do think, and they cut it really quickly, which I think was smart, um, and you know, it does show the ability to react and to sort of swap out. I'm sure that they had already bought that ad space prior to this. Um, I don't know. I think it could. I think there's definitely some Democrats who, you know, will agree with her assessment that it's sort of not a fair fight to do it that way. Um, I don't know if it's going to bring anyone new into her camp. And like you said, I mean, we talked about this last week. I think Porter does have this challenge where she really Wants to sort of burnish her outsider credentials, Um, but at this moment when you have three pretty similar candidates, a lot of Democrats might actually be looking to the types of insiders that Adam Schiff has endorsing him, like other members of Congress, to figure out like who should I actually support in this race?
0: Yeah, and guy, yeah, go for it.
3: Well, I was just going to say, I think just as important as what you're putting out there uh, via your message on ads is how you're getting that message out. And Marisa, you mentioned sporting events. I looked just on Sunday, Super Bowl Sunday on CBS channels in in L.A. and in San Francisco. Like how much have Porter and Schiff sunk into these ads? Porter's bought about $75,000 worth of ad space before the game, after the game. Schiff has spent nearly $400,000 on ads just in those two markets, just on CBS around the Super Bowl. So you talk about the ability for Shift in these last few weeks of the campaign to get his message out and maybe vis a vis get Steve Garvey's uh <laughs> message out. Um I think that's just, you know, one thing Katie Porter has to grapple with as she's trying to get into the top two.
2: And that doesn't even count earned media, right? I mean the ability well, with Trump
0: to, it Trump in the news this that's week. That's what too. I was that's gonna say, to right?
2: Shift. Between the Supreme Court uh arguments over whether or not he should be stripped from the Colorado ballot, uh this immunity ruling, um this, you know, ongoing debate over what Biden did with documents like Adam Schiff has really endeared himself to a lot of Democrats over the years for taking on Trump, for being a sort of regular talking head on places like MSNBC. And, uh, I mean, anecdotally, I've heard that from a lot of Democrats, that they, you know, feel that he really... Did something that was important during the Trump years and any, I think, opportunity to remind people of that is going to be good for Schiff.
0: Yeah. And that said, I mean, I do think obviously a race, a runoff for November between Schiff and Porter, very different than one with Garvey, because it would basically be over in March, given that a Republican hasn't won statewide since 2006.
2: I mean, candidates, policies, platforms aside... I think you can make the argument that that would be better for voters in democracy to actually have a real campaign that is not just sort of like a foregone conclusion between a Republican and a Democrat. Yeah, I
0: think, you know, nationally, Republicans would, you know, of course, like to have somebody in that race to help draw maybe out some Republican voters. But Democrats got to think, why are we going to be spending all this money on a seat that's probably a safe Democratic seat? Speaking of safe Democratic seats, or maybe not so safe, the race to replace Katie Porter in Orange County has really become a slugfest between two of the Democrats down there, State Senator uh, Dave Minn and Joanna Weiss, who's a relative newcomer and attorney down there. And, uh, you know, Marisa, this has been back and forth allegations. I think, you know, Dave Minn has been sort of in the news over the past you know year or so for a DUI that he got. And, you know, Joanna Weiss certainly playing that up. And it's really gotten ugly between the two of them.
2: Yeah, I mean, we've been hearing kind of whispers of this, but we saw an actual ad cut, I think, this week um, where men's campaign brings up uh, Joanne Weiss's husband's work. He's done work uh, for the Catholic Church as an attorney and essentially accusing them of getting rich by sort of defending sex offenders. Right. This idea that like he might have. And, you know, Weiss says, look, he did work with the church. It had nothing to do with priests accused of sexual misconduct. I mean, I think it. Uh, this is the type of campaign play that's just about dirtying her up, right? Whether or not the allegations are that serious or founded, it it, it kind of will stick in people's minds. And I think it does... Um You know, bode well, really, for the Republican in this race. That was a very expensive district for Porter to hang on to. Uh, Scott Baugh, very hard-right Republican, launched a serious challenge, and he's running again, and he already has name ID. He's been in in elected office down there. Um, I think you got to imagine that some Democrats are nervous. And,
0: Guy, he also has a big money advantage. He's got about twice as much cash on hand as the two Democrats, and you know they're going to be burning through a lot of that money between now and March 5th, right? Yeah. And you
3: got to hope, I mean, the Democrats hope in this race would be we see a repeat of 2018, where we did have a lot of nasty, competitive primary fights among Democrats that were all kind of put to the side after the June primary in 2018, when Democrats then went on to unify in the general election and have a lot of success in Orange County.
0: Yeah. And I think, you know, um, you know, this is a Democrat uh, Democratic leaning district. It's one that, you know, if Katie Porter doesn't make it into the top two uh, in, in March and the Democrats end up losing her seat. And that, you know, turns out to be a key election. Yeah, yeah, there could be a lot of second guessing about whether that was the right thing to do. We haven't mentioned Barbara Lee quickly. Uh, you know, she just doesn't have the resources to yeah. be on TV and competing. She is, you know, I think if you're Katie Porter, you got to be thinking that she's taking votes from her, um, you know, to the extent that the two most progressive candidates in the race are vying for the same voters.
3: Yeah, I mean, Barbara Lee's is the person I'm watching Monday night in the next Senate debate because Maurice and I interviewed her shortly after the first debate. And she was really upset, I think, at the way Katie Porter characterized career politicians. She felt like Porter's running to spend the rest of her career as a politician. I would be interested to see how much she turns the attacks back on Porter Monday. Okay. All right. Gloves off.
0: Gloves off for sure. And also, you know, Steve Garvey's got some questions to answer, but we'll we'll tune in and talk about that next week. I'll be there. All right. We're going to take a very short break. You're listening to Political Breakdown. I'm Scott Schaefer. We will be right back. And welcome back to Political Breakdown. Scott Schaefer here with a couple of my colleagues from the KQT Politics team, Marisa Lagos and Guy Marzarati. Um, And let's talk about another issue that is uh, popping up. And we've been seeing this. And Marisa, this is something you've been digging into deep. And this is Prop 47, which was passed by voters 10 years ago. It was intended to reduce criminal penalties for simple nonviolent drug offenses, possession, and also um, kind of raise the threshold for felony prosecutions of uh, property theft And we're seeing this week three Democratic mayors, London Breed in San Francisco, Matt Mahan in San Jose, and Todd Gloria down in uh, San Diego, saying they're going to support this measure, which is being pushed by Republicans primarily.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think it's really more a coalition of retailers and and more conservative prosecutors who are pushing it. The District Attorneys Association has played pretty big in this. Um, I don't want to give away too much, Scott, but we'll be talking about Prop 47 a lot next week. I am um, on the verge of publishing a kind of six month investigation into what actually have been the outcomes since that passed almost a decade ago Um, because to your point it's been a favorite punching bag for a long time of law enforcement of you know Republicans, and yet with the rise in sort of more visible retail theft, especially uh, some of these organized retail, you know, rings, smash and grabs, um, which I should say have nothing to do with Prop 47, but they've really elevated the issue, and we are seeing a lot of attention paid to this in the legislature. A special committee in the Assembly just had uh, one of their meetings today uh, in LA. Um, you have this measure that these, you know, Democratic mayors are backing, or I guess Mayhans an independent, huh, guy?
3: Well he is he is a Democrat, but I would say what surprises me, you know, perhaps with, with Mayhan and Reed, is that I wonder if this focus on forty seven coming out endorsing these more stiff criminal penalties, if it maybe like shifts the conversation away from a fact that I know both these mayors are very aware of, and that's law enforcement staffing and mm. just the steep decline that we've seen really since the end you know, twenty twenty in Police staffing, it's something San Jose has struggled with for years to rebuild its its police force. And that coincides really with the rise in shoplifting that we've seen in the last couple of years. So I want, you know, as this right, kind of city They're both budgets, under pressure,
2: or all three of them, really, right? And it's not just around... Uh, you know, simple petty theft and drug use, but the whole bigger issue of homelessness, the fentanyl crisis, like a lot of this gets sweeped up into the sort of Prop 47 debate.
3: Totally. I, I would say like in, in Mahan's case, he's really tried to make an effort to rebuild the police force. And I wonder if by shifting the conversation now to sentencing, when you really do, I mean, as you've reported before, the, the connections between, uh, you know, threat of arrest, the the effect that police staffing can have on preventing some of these crimes. I wonder if if that kind of diverts the conversation a little bit in some of these cities when up until now there's been, uh, you know, a conservative effort by these mayors to build back the police force. Now we're talking about sentencing a different issue. Well, the
0: one mayor who did not weigh in on this, at least not yet, is Shang Tao over in Oakland. She's facing a lot of pressure. Talk of a you know potential recall over there. Obviously, crime is up there as well. And just this past week, we've seen the governor uh, and the attorney general saying they're going to send additional prosecutors mm-hmm. down there as well as some uh, additional law enforcement to help with uh, you know, patrolling and public safety generally. Uh, so you're seeing the, go- the governor who isn't latching onto the Prop 47 thing in the same way, but he is very mindful of this you know, public safety concern that is very yeah. prevalent.
2: I mean, this is reaching a fever pitch. And I think what you've seen after years of Democrats really just pushing back on any attempts to talk about changing for forty seven are changing some of these statutes around theft. Um, the conversation and, and drug possession, frankly. The the conversation is happening. I think the question is can Newsom buy doing what he's already done, but actually engaging on it. You know, he put out a series of proposals that he thinks would help tackle some of these problems around broader theft. I mean, a lot of them, again, are not about simple shoplifting, which is under Prop 47. They're about commercial burglary, robbery with the use of force. Um, But can Newsom and his allies in the Democratic legislature do something this spring that could head off the potential ballot measure we're talking about or other potential ballot measures that could come out of of legislation. There's some dozen bills pending in the legislature dealing with this. It's important to note voters passed 47. So voters have to change it. They can't do it by themselves. Well,
0: and there was something on the ballot four years ago, which failed pretty miserably yeah. to do some of these same kinds of things. It was sixty-two, thirty-eight, I think, was the outcome of that one. So we'll see if the appetite has changed. The perception seems to have changed a little bit in the last few years. We'll see if... I'll give uh,
2: you a sneak peek, though. Scott, I do not think after a lot of conversations and data points and deep reporting that 47 is the cause of all of life's problems. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I do think that there are some tweaks that even uh, supporters of it acknowledge could be made and that they there are a lot of things that it has been blamed for that are not actually have anything to do with well, it.
0: Well, and this, you know, move toward Prop 47 that London Breed has embraced, it, it's kind of keeping with her brand as she runs for re-election and what's a very difficult year for her. Guy, you mentioned the, you know, the, this it's a good insight that they're taking attention away from police staffing, but, you know, Mayhan down in San Jose, he's not really facing a tough re-election battle. Um, so that's right. I mean, he's basically on a glide path to a, a full four year term just just
3: two years after taking office uh, in, in 2022. I mean, I will say to Maurice's point about the legislature, I don't think we can underplay to the extent to which this is also personality driven in Sacramento and a feeling among lawmakers I've talked to, whether they support changes to Prop 47 or oppose them. The extent to which they felt like Reggie Jones Sawyer, who led the Public Safety Committee in the Assembly, just would not have a conversation, would not even have hearings regarding not just 47 related bills, but, you know, uh, fentanyl, trafficking, yeah. anything sentencing related. I think there is a pent up desire, even among folks who who have told me they don't support going back to the ballot with this, just to have these kinds of hearings have these kind of conversations in the assembly. So there's definitely some personality at play here in the makeup of chairs and and the dynamics within uh, the Capitol. Well,
0: and speaking of the legislature, we have a new Senate president pro tem this week, Mike McGuire from the North Coast, taking over for Tony Atkins. And he announced some of his Uh, chairs and other like sort of chief lieutenants. um, Among those uh, sort of plum assignments, uh, budget chair Scott Wiener, the state senator from San Francisco, um, and then appropriations is going to go to Ana Caballero from uh, Merced. Uh, So, you know, those are changes. And and,
2: yeah, I mean, one thing that jumped out at me is that very progressive uh, Senator Aisha Wahab from the East Bay is being put in charge of public safety there and so I I predict you might see some split between how the Senate wants to handle these which I think in some ways is a little bit more progressive on these issues right now and where the Assembly is at Um, and and then in general you know I think yeah, yeah there's other ways I mean Guy, any, any other names like stick out at you because... <laughs>
3: Well, Wiener as budget chair is interesting to me because he was the leading voice, right? Remember last year when the governor proposed these massive cuts to transportation funding? He mm-hmm. was the leading voice to restore those. I think that's something to watch. Also, can I just make a little uh, mini rant here, Scott? Yes. Sure. Nancy Skinner, former budget chair, is now budget chair emeritus. <laughs> <laughs> this emeritus thing has officially not right? emerita. This has jumped the shark. It started with Nancy Pelosi after she uh, was no longer House Speaker. Kevin McCarthy is now calling himself Speaker Emeritus. <laughs> Anthony Rendon, uh, Assembly Speaker Emeritus. When did this just get? What happened to former? I mean, no one was calling Doris Allen or Kurt Pringle uh, Speaker (laughs) Emeritus. (laughs) Or Willie Brown, for that matter. I mean, I I think it's time to return this phrase to the faculty lounge. Okay. Rant, Rant over.
2: All right. And also, like, can I just say that just also reminds me I, I was noticing this week. I think I, I will say I think maybe Pelosi can have it only because every time uh, I hear Democrats in D.C. Uh, in the House talking about, you know, like how they essentially tricked Republicans this week on that uh vote on the bill. Uh the, the Democrats didn't like. They they credit Pelosi even though she's not speaker anymore. I have a hard time believing Skinner's gonna get a lot of credit yeah, in that. Budget or Rendon hearing. for that
0: matter. <laughs> all right, we're almost out of time. I gotta ask about the Super Bowl. I know neither one of you are super fans um, but the 49 hey ers you what? oh you've been watching oh, yeah. okay so all right so they're playing against the I just Chiefs. don't let my
2: kids play. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah no exactly uh, so any any predictions any thoughts? Predictions. Usher starts with either my
3: way or bad girl. (laughs) It's now on the record.
0: The halftime prediction.
2: I just predict. I mean, I think it's going to be a tough game. Kansas City is a good team and uh, either way, I predict it's going to be a rough Sunday night for my dog, who does not like fireworks. Oh, my
0: God. The mission's going to be crazy. The Berlin Heights, yes, exactly. Well, I hope it's a good game. I, I do have I have to say I love the 49ers. I have a bad feeling. But, oh, no. You know, that's because I'm from Buffalo, and I watched four <laughs> consecutive Super Bowl losses in four years in the 90s. So All right. A little we'll bit go of Niners. PTSD. Exactly. All right. Guy Marzorati, Marisa Lagos, have a great weekend, no matter you who too, wins weekends. the Super Bowl. That is a wrap for Friday, February 9th. Political Breakdown is a production of AQED. Our engineer is Jim Bennett. Our producer is Izzy Bloom. Our team here includes Maurice Lagos, Guy Marzarati, Molly Solomon, Otis R. Taylor Jr., and Ethan tovin Lindsay. I'm Scott Schaefer. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time.
2: Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? Its history, its people, its unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out the Bay Curious book,